Adam Crowley Show. Oh, I like him. <laughs> He's a handsome guy. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. I said yesterday that the Penguins weren't only going to make the playoffs, but they were going to make some noise when they got in. Nothing's happened since yesterday's show to make me think otherwise, and in fact, I think tonight the Penguins will take another step towards getting into the playoffs when they play the Minnesota Wild, and I think they'll beat the Minnesota Wild. You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. I am at the Terrace on 5th, where you can come on by and get Bud Light, 350 drafts, and $4 aluminum pints. Come on by, get a little sauced up for the game. See Matt Cullen tonight play against the Pittsburgh Penguins, or dad, as some call him. I've never felt comfortable doing that, so... I will not. Speaking of uncomfortable, let's talk about the Deadspin story. Dayan Kovacevic comes out looking kind of like an ass. But that's about it. It's kind of flimsy, which is what I would expect from Deadspin. You know I don't pull any punches on this show. You know that I am transparent, probably even to a fault. Transparency is, after all, the number one virtue of the Crowley show. I read the article... I read it again, did not want to read it a third time because I didn't want to vomit based on the level of writing that the Deadspin author uh, put out there. But let's get this one thing straight. If Deadspin didn't run this, nobody else would have. I don't like Dayon. I don't have a relationship with him. I'm not defending him, but I am defending journalism. And there was nothing there from a journalistic standpoint that would have made me write the article. It all seemed flimsy. Now, I walk away from it, as I mentioned, thinking that Dayon is an ass and probably a terrible boss. I've heard from friends and colleagues and other media members that Dayon isn't really that nice of a guy. I've never talked to him about this. I didn't tell him that's why he's not on the show, but I didn't really want him attached to the show. So that's why he doesn't come on this radio program. A lot of people feel that way, that he's not a great guy. But since when is not being a great guy something that's written about in a national forum? Uh, since when is not being a nice guy something that is national news? Why do Deadspin's readers care about this, first of all? And second of all, where was the proof? There was none. And trust me, I've been waiting a couple of weeks now to see this thing because we all knew it was out there, and I was expecting a bombshell. I was expecting proof. We didn't get any proof. The most damning thing in the piece would have been that Dayon propositioned a woman, said, you can have sex with me and my wife or just my wife, and I'll watch it, and then you get a job. That's awful. Can't do that. Big no-no. Especially in 2018. We know better than that. But there's no proof there. There just isn't. And, again, I have no stake in this game. I have friends on both sides. I don't have a reason to defend Dayan Kovacevic. But it's hearsay. A woman said that that happened. And her only proof was that she was in a car with a friend who could collaborate the story. I'm sorry, that's not good enough. 
It's just not. It's just not. And it's one person who's come forth with those kind of accusations. If it was multiple people who had come forth with sexual accusations, I'm inclined to believe that. You don't need to look any farther than the Larry Nasser situation to realize that when there's numbers, that means there's smoke, and then when there's smoke, that means that there's fire. But here, only one person brought up the fact that this was sexual in nature, and that person didn't have proof. The other person, Sarah Sivian, whom I like, didn't actually think that anything was wrong with her relationship with Dayon from a sexual standpoint until after she had heard about something he might have said to another colleague. She reflected back and after that moment thought, hmm, maybe Dayon's not a nice guy. Maybe when he says things about my outfit, it is inappropriate. And if Dayon is commenting on her outfit and what she is wearing and shouldn't be wearing, then yeah, that is inappropriate and that shouldn't be happening. But, again, flimsy. Again, not a lot of proof here. And let's not pretend like the people who aren't there anymore don't have axes to grind. I'm not looking at this from a defend Dayon standpoint. I'm not looking at this from a I want to throw Dayon in a garbage shoot standpoint. I'm looking at this as somebody who went to journalism school. And I know that if this was put on my desk as an editor, I would not have been able to, in good conscience, have run with it. That's the way I look at it. What say you? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I bet you they're not talking about it on that station across the street. I bet you they're scared. I know Madden touched on it. I don't know if he's going to talk about it in depth, but... I'm willing to have the conversation. 412-922-2874. I ain't scared. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. We don't just do sports. We do sports adjacent, and this certainly qualifies. And some have joked over the last couple of days that maybe, just maybe, the fourth major sport in town is the media itself. We all know who had the axes to grind. We all know that... There was somebody on the inside of DKPittsburghSports.com that was feeding Deadspin some of this information, too. And I have a slight suspicion, well, more than a slight suspicion, that it was Chris Mueller. Because two minutes prior to the story being released on Deadspin, he quit. There are axes to grind everywhere. Dayon sounds like a bad boss and potentially a bad dude. That's not a crime. The tax stuff might be, though. And maybe that's where they get him. Maybe the IRS comes down. But other than that, there's no proof. And trust me, I am a defender of women. You hear my show all the time. I get deemed a snowflake and a liberal and this, that, the other, because I always stick up for the people who support Kaepernick. I stick up for women. I defended Doris Burke tooth and nail. I've defended other female broadcasters. It's what I do, but... From a journalism standpoint, and in a court of law even, there's certainly reasonable doubt here. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. On Twitter, you'll find that over the last couple of days, I've done these, what we're calling cheese teases. They're teases. I tell you what's coming up in the show, but we call them cheese teases because I am over the top and, well, I'm kind of lame. So check those out. Check out my blog, ESPNPGH.com. Also check out the podcast if you miss anything on the show. You can hear me 24-7. 
And that's probably not what you want to do. My wife would indicate that you wouldn't. But if you like me, click. And then click some more. Le'Veon Bell is a big topic of conversation around town today. Why? Because peeps are arguing whether or not he should be a stealer in perpetuity. Or not. It is my opinion that Le'Veon Bell should remain a Pittsburgh Steeler. Because you win with stars, period. The Pittsburgh Steelers could take the $14.5 million that they have earmarked for Le'Veon Bell and spend it on defense. Or they could spend it on a tight end. They could spend it on a safety. They could spend it on an inside linebacker. They could spend it in a number of different locales, yes? But if the Pittsburgh Steelers decide to do that and don't hold on to Le'Veon Bell, then they're going to be missing 40% of their offense from last year. They're going to be missing the guy that I think makes this offense go more than anybody not named Ben Roethlisberger. Consider this. Two years ago, the Pittsburgh Steelers were 4-5. and five. Their backs were against the wall. They looked like they were going to be the biggest disappointment in the National Football League. Then they started handing the ball to Le'Veon Bell to the tune of 147 rushing yards a game, which led to the Steelers winning eight in a row. It led to the Steelers turning the football over a hell of a lot less. It turned into the Steelers having a legitimate identity. This year, first five games of the season, Steelers didn't know who they were. That's why they were 3-2, and two, coming off the heels of a terrible loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. What they decided to do, they fed Le'Veon. Not so much through the ground, although that was a part of it, but through the ground, through the air, all manners of getting him the football then the Steelers' offense turned into the offense we all thought it could be, and over the last eight games of the season, they hit that lofty 30 points a game plateau. And they stuck there. If you get rid of Le'Veon Bell, you get rid of the identity. If you get rid of Le'Veon Bell, you get rid of a guy who makes things go. If you get rid of Le'Veon Bell, I think you get in return a Ben Roethlisberger who's not going to be as comfortable. You get a Ben Roethlisberger who's going to make more turnovers. You get a Ben Roethlisberger who is going to think that everything weighs on his shoulders, that he has to be Superman to win football games, and that's not good. That's not how these Steelers win. That's not how they have won. You keep Le'Veon Bell if you want to win a championship. The distractions really haven't been all that bad. He was suspended. He's been hurt. The suspension concern isn't a long-term concern for me just because Le'Veon Bell seems like he's a good guy. And it doesn't sound to me like he's got a... drug problem. I would say that that's a little bit different with Martavis Bryant. To me, Martavis Bryant of course had the drug problem. Guy couldn't stop. Guy couldn't stop. Guy couldn't stop. First time for Le'Veon gets pulled over. That's a problem. Next time for Le'Veon whenever he gets suspended, he missed his test. That doesn't indicate to me it's a drug problem. So I don't worry about that. 
Durability, sure, you worry about that. But you worry about that, in my mind, with every position around the National Football League. The distractions, well, to me, they're only about Le'Veon Bell trying to get paid. Le'Veon says a couple of days before the game, yeah, I might retire. I might not come back. I might sit out if I get franchised again. And you know what? It was dumb. I was pissed. It was a stupid thing to say. But he was asked about it. He should have answered it differently. But it's not like he was trying to do this. If he was not asked, he wouldn't have talked about it. Now we find out that Le'Veon Bell does not get the benefit of the doubt from the media. And maybe he should have because his absence from practice the day before the Jags game was excused and many people thought it was not excused. When new information comes in, then I change my opinion. A lot of people don't. I do. When you get different facts, that changes things. Duh! That's the reality for me when it comes to Le'Veon Bell. That's why I want Le'Veon Bell to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. I'm not afraid of the distraction. He made up 40% of the offense last year. Ben Roethlisberger didn't turn the football over as much whenever Le'Veon Bell is out there. The Steelers' offense has an identity. How about pass protection? Le'Veon Bell's a good pass protector. You know who's not at this point in his career? The kid from Pitt. I also saw that a guy from the station across the street said, Bring in Deion Lewis. Let Le'Veon walk. Why is it always the Pitt guy that's the solution? Deion Lewis ain't half the player that Le'Veon Bell is. And that tandem wouldn't be half of what Le'Veon Bell is. Allow Le'Veon Bell to be one of your best players. Win a championship with talent. Because that's how everyone does it other than New England. And that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers need to do. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. We'll get into some of the day-on stuff as we move forward. 412-922-2874. I am not interested at all in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And that's what I want to discuss with long-term baseball writer John Parado. He's next. He was also a former employee of Dan Kovacevic. It's coming up after the break. It's the Crowley Show. One last thing for now on the Deadspin article coming out against DKPittsburghSports.com. If what is being reported is true about the threesome and about what went down with Sarah Sivian, then that is abhorrent behavior and Dayon should get the bleep out of his own sight. But from a journalistic standpoint, there's nothing there that's able to be proved. There's nothing there that's concrete. And as much as the people who hate Dayon were looking for this to be able to knock him on his ass, I don't know if this does that. It doesn't for me. Again, I've heard a lot of awful things about the guy, and because of that, I don't want to associate with him. And because of that, I don't particularly think I like the guy. But, again, from a journalistic standpoint, if this was not Deadspin, I don't think any other credible site 
would have written about it. Moving on, speaking about morality and ethics, the Baseball Hall of Fame likes to shove those things down our throat. John Parado, one of the good baseball writers who's been around Pittsburgh for a long time, joins me now on the show. John, thank you so much for taking the time. Good. Uh, thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. I, I, unfortunately, I can't give you any expert advice on threesomes, so I guess we'll have to talk baseball. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got me there with the curveball, John. Uh, because uh, I, I, I couldn't resist that little uh, bombshell that dropped today. Holy cow. But, I know. Like what? Said, there's no smoking gun, so I don't know. Well, okay, Let's, so so since you brought it up, I, that's the way I viewed it. I viewed it from a journalistic standpoint because, again, yeah. if, it, if it went down the way that it's being reported that it went down, then, yeah, that's awful. But if you have somebody say it and then the only proof that they have is hearsay because there's somebody in the car when she received the text message, man, I don't think a credible news outlet goes to print with that. I just don't. No, I – yeah, I uh, – you know, there have been rumblings – for the last week or so that there are going to be all these bombshells dropping in the Deadspin story about, you know, the DK site. And, you know, I mean, there were some bombshells, but I, I don't know if, if there were actually, uh, if the bombs actually went off because, like you said, from a journalistic standpoint, it's hearsay and, you know, uh, I mean, there's no hard proof. Uh, I mean, there's no, you know, these purported text messages have disappeared. So, I mean, how do you prove it's, it's a, you know, it's hearsay is really what it is. And again, I think it's deplorable if it happened, but again... No, no doubt. No no proof, and it's an interesting time that we live in, obviously, right mm. now, uh, as women are empowered, and frankly, they should be, and anybody who's crossed a woman or, or done something wrong to women should be fearful. But what I saw in this story is that we had that, and then everything else was just kind of about him being a bad boss, him being a bad guy, yeah. and that to me is not a national story, being a bad guy. There are a lot of bad people in this world and a lot of bad people in our industry. Not that there aren't good people, but come on. <laughs> yes, there are. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've, you know, you've heard things, I've heard things, we've all heard things, and I think it's really not a secret. It's gotten out in the public realm, especially in the days of social media and what have you. But, uh, you know, again... I mean, it's it's a very interesting story, and, and things that are printed now, and I, I know I'm a fossil in a lot of ways, it, it, but uh, things that get printed now uh, tend to would never have gotten printed years ago, and uh, it seems like uh, you don't need a whole lot of evidence, you don't need a whole lot of proof, you don't need a whole lot of facts to uh, to publish something. You just kind of throw it out there and, and hope you're right. You know, that's not kind of the way I was uh, raised in the business. John Prado joining me here on the Crowley Show. Let's turn our attention now to the Baseball Hall of Fame. John, do you think the Baseball Hall of Fame means less now than it used to? Because I do, and I don't think it's because of who they've let in and who they haven't let in, the voters. I think it's just because people know who's great and who's not great because they've all got information at their fingertips, and that kind of makes the brick-and-mortar Hall of Fame mean a little bit less, I think, than it ever has before. Yeah, you know, yeah, I see your point. You definitely, you know, you can you can make that point, and I think you're right to an extent. But, but I think to the actual players, to the actual people, I, I think it still means something to stand up there at Cooperstown in late July and, and know you're enshrined and, and you know it's one of the great, you know, one of the immortals of the game. And you know, I know as somebody who's had the opportunity to cover a couple of induction ceremonies over the years and also visit the hall a couple of times. It's a very, very special 
situation, a very unique place, uh, this little village in the middle of nowhere in central New York. And it, it really is magical, uh, the whole induction weekend. And, and so uh, I think uh, it still means a lot to the players. I think it means a lot to the fans. And, uh, you know, it's just the unfortunate part is it used to be pretty clear cut on who voted for who and you voted for the best players and it wasn't a question well did this guy cheat or did this guy do that or or this or that or everything that was pretty much was he good enough to be in the hall of fame or wasn't he and all these external factors well it's certainly driven a lot more conversation it certainly brought a lot more publicity to the hall of fame voting it has muddled things a little and like you said uh, you know it's almost like uh, you can judge the hall of famers in your own mind even if Barry Bonds isn't in I think a lot of people know that he was a great player, and if you don't know he was a great player, I mean, he hit 762 home runs, regardless of if he might have been chemically aided for some of them. He hit 762 home runs, and that's the record. Have you ever seen a baseball player better than Barry Bonds, John? In my lifetime, no. No, and I mean, you know, obviously I saw him on an everyday basis for six years, my first right. six years, covering, I guess, uh, five Five years, I should say, from 88 to 92, my first five years covering baseball on uh, at the Beaver County Times. He was still with the Pirates. And, I mean, he was a tremendous player, and he could do it all even then. I mean, he had power. He had speed. He, you know, he, could, he was a good defensive player. I mean, the only thing he really ever had was an arm, which, uh, unfortunately, for Bucko fans, showed at the very worst time in Game 7 of the 92 LCS. But, I mean, he was a great player, and, you know, regardless of what he did, and, I mean, there's no hard and fast proof that he used steroids. There's certainly a lot of anecdotal evidence uh, that he did after he went uh, to San Francisco and he got later in his career. But but to me, he was a Hall, Hall of Fame player before there were the suspicions he was using steroids. And, and, and the only the part that, that kind of baffles me is he, he did it more out of, uh, I don't want to say out of envy, because he... He kind of got uh, disenchanted with the fact that Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa had both balked up and were, were hitting home runs and getting all the attention. And, and, you know, here he was still one of the very best players in the game, and he was just uh, getting totally overlooked. And uh, I know that really bothered him. John Prado joining me here on the Crowley Show. Uh, John, I heard this question asked earlier on in the day, and uh, I figure I'll ask you because you're smarter than I am and you've watched a lot more baseball than I have. Uh, in your life, but that's just because you're old, John. That's what I'm saying here. But, I am. I, yeah. I, I admit it. I am. I'm, but I'm not crossing <laughs> yet. Uh, would you rather be a guy who's in the Hall of Fame, or would you rather be somebody who's known as maybe the greatest player that somebody's ever seen? Ooh, wow. That's the, that's yeah right exactly yeah you know it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive that's yeah, that was my I, first I, thought too I, you know I, I, I've talked to Barry about this I, I mean I have I mean you know I, I I don't see him that often anymore obviously since he hasn't played but you know we I saw him last year when he was uh, to the year he spent coaching with the Marlins and I guess two years ago now in 2016 and uh, he claims that he's okay if he doesn't get in but I think he's kidding because I could tell that his uh, tone of voice belied what he was saying. I, I think everybody, and I think when you get older, I, I think, you know, everybody wants to know what their legacy is to one extent or another. Whether you're a famous person or just a, a normal run-of-the-mill person, is, you know, somebody that's not famous. And, and I'm sure you know him and Roger Clemens both, and I know Clemens there hasn't said much on the subject, but I'm sure deep down they, they have to feel, hey, you know, we put up great numbers. We put up some of the best numbers in the history of baseball. We were the dominant players, one of the dominant players of our era, and uh, 
you know, why, why aren't, you know, why won't we get that kind of recognition? And, uh, yeah, I'm sure, uh, I would want to be in the Hall of Fame, to be honest, because the plaque lives forever and uh, people's memories fade after a while. John Prado joining me here on the Crowley Show. As for steroid users, I find it hard to parse uh, one guy who played in the era from other guys who played in the era. Uh, Craig Biggio had never been linked to steroids at all. He wasn't the kind of player that you thought, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy's hitting some doubles and some singles. That guy's a steroid user. But there's no proof, as you alluded to before, that points to Barry Bonds having been a steroid user. There's certainly some smoke, but there's no proof. How do you think that? Uh, how do you think that that should be handled? How would you handle it in your mind? Well, this is how I handle it, and this is how I've done it the whole time. You know, we we first off to try to make this as short as possible, and it's a bit of a complicated answer. Give me, we give it all baseball, to me, John. Okay, we we <laughs> the baseball writers uh, ask the Hall of Fame in advance of knowing that some of these players. We're on the verge of coming onto the ballot. Bonds, McGuire, Sosa, Palmero. How do you want us to handle this? How do you, how do you look at this? I mean, obviously there's, there's the paint next, you know, your names are painted to one degree or another. And it was like, and, and we got no answer. It was like, well, you guys figure it out. That's why we have you vote. So, so everybody interpreted different. For example, Rob Beer Temple from the Tribune Review. He won't vote for anybody who has any connection to steroids, whether they want the test or just been uh, linked to them in some way or another. And that's fine. I mean, that's his opinion, and sure. I certainly respect that. My opinion is I'm not playing moralist here. I don't know who did and who didn't. I'm sure some guys who have been voted into the Hall of Fame used and didn't get caught. I just think that it's just, it, it, it has to be that way. I honestly believe now when Ken Caminetti came out in Sports Illustrated about 10, 12 years ago and told Tom Perdicci that at one point he thought 75% of guys were using some kind of PEDs. I really believe now in retrospect that he was right on the money. And if I would have known then what I know now, I certainly would have believed it. And, you know, I think back on certain players and how they came to spring training 25 pounds heavier than what they were the year before because of these vitamins or workouts regimens and things like that. And it wasn't bad. It was obviously PEDs, but at the time we didn't know that much about it. And you know, and I know the writers say, well you hit it, you knew you guys knew that people were doing stuff and you didn't write about it. Well two 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 things to that. One, we didn't know that much about PEDs at that point. And two, there's such there's such laws of slander and libel when you just can't write, hey, I think somebody broke the rules unless you got cold hard proof. And all my years of covering baseball I never saw anybody shoot up steroids and in front of a reporter. So, you know, my theory is I don't know who did and who didn't with any degree of certainty. So I, I just judge everybody by what they did. Their, their record, what they did as a player, their accomplishments, and, and that's how I go with it. Last thing here for you, John, and it's kind of uh, off the beaten path a little bit, so bear with me here. And uh, if you don't know, then that's okay. But one of the things I'm going to get to later on in the show is – that the NBA now wants 1% of all the money that's bet on games in their sport. Uh, and that's gonna, uh, that would obviously be a huge number. What's your thought process on professional sports leagues getting involved in the gambling side of things? Uh, 
That's a tricky question. I, I understand they want their cut because pro, pro sports teams want anything. They want every imaginable revenue stream in the world. It never seems like they never can make enough money. But I understand they, they want a cut of it. But to me, it kind of seems a little unseemly that they are want to be part of the gambling thing. And it, it makes you almost think maybe that it would open the door to some kind of malfeasance or possibility right. of you know, maybe game fixing, things like that. If a and lot in of the NBA, I mean, that's all. Another. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, we've seen with, uh, you know, with Jim Donahue, the, the referee who, uh, you know, founder of the shape, help shape points in games, it can happen. It's a little harder to do in the other sports, but basketball is very easy to, to, to fix a game without it being very obvious. John, really appreciate the time, as always, man. Covered, covered a lot there, did we not? We uh, did. I went from threesomes to gambling to goodness. I know. Yeah, threesomes and gambling, baby. Well, yeah. so one last thing then on that, John. Uh, I saw your tweet that Pittsburgh's 25th biggest media market in the country, yet th- there's so much that goes on that, that winds up out in the public. Uh, have you ever seen anything like this? It's insane. <laughs> No, no, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, I mean, I'm not putting down Pittsburgh or, or downplaying it, but I mean, it's not New York. It's, it's less drama in New York and Chicago and big, big markets, LA, and uh, you know, it's about, it's it's sort of the charm of where we live, Adam. Everything is so parochial and everything is so big city, but yet small town. That it, it's kind of a microcosm of where we live, and the reason, in some odd way, we all love it. <laughs> I think that that's the perfect summation. Appreciate the time as always, John. Be well. Oh, my pleasure, Adam. Thanks for having me, buddy. Thank you, John Parado. Uh, he's writing for a lot of different outlets now. Uh, he writes for USA Today uh, as a freelancer. He's writing for Pittsburgh Sports Now. He does a really good job, and he's one of the best when it comes to baseball. Certainly, uh, if not more than that, here in this market. Coming up next, a Batman analogy. Yeah, that's right, and how it relates to the Hall of Fame, and more on DK, more on Deadspin, more on journalism. My man, Vince Common will be coming on from 5 o'clock until 6 to talk hockey, too, if you're into that. It's the Crowley Show live from the Terrace on 5th on ESPN Pittsburgh and iHeartRadio. There's a lot of pettiness that went into that dead spin article against Dayan Kovacevic. But there's also some stuff that did stick with me. What does stick with me is if he was actually offering somebody a job to, you know, <clears throat> with him and his wife, that's bad news. That is exactly what the Me Too movement is trying to stop. If he was constantly driving with Sarah Sivian to PPG Paints Arena and was commenting on her outfit and discussing her role in the locker room because she's a woman, then yeah, that's pretty bad too. The other stuff, though, doesn't do it for me. The other stuff doesn't matter. The other stuff shouldn't even have been included in the story. In fact, that is purely pettiness we've all had bad bosses we've all had bosses that we hate that's a reality and anytime that i've had a boss that i've disliked i've tried to get away from them Uh, i've moved within a company i've 
gotten away from said company. I've looked for other jobs. So if he's a bad boss, he's a bad boss. A national story does not need to go up on Deadspin because somebody's a bad boss. Now, if he's a sexual harasser, if he's making comments about women all the time, then, yeah, that's a problem. But here's another problem, and I have a problem with the story. It's that there's no proof. So as much as I think people think they got DK, I don't think that they did because there's no proof. But it's not as though there is not a history of Dayon kind of belittling women or looking at women in an old-school draconian light. In fact, this is from a morning Java that was recorded when Josh Yowie still worked at DKPittsburghSports.com. Mm -hmm. But they had to make the dress code go across the board here, and it was an attempt, really obvious. Uh, I remember seeing someone from the Cincinnati Reds, uh, uh, Rob Butcher, their longtime yeah. uh, media relations man, mm -hmm. excellent human being, uh, he saw a couple of people who were Pittsburgh reporters, female, who went into the Red's room looking like, you know. Sure. Okay. And he just went in there and said, who are you with? What are you doing? And they were like, well, we're here to help out so-and-so cameraman. And he went, out. Right. Because he didn't want to, he's got 25 dudes in there, and he doesn't want to risk anything sure. happening. And these are the things that happen in the world of media in 2017. Well, that doesn't exactly paint Josh Yowie in a great light either there with that little tack on at the end. Joe, if you could cue that up one more time just to process it, but uh, prior to or before I throw to it again, you, you can't tell people how to dress or how to act. Now, certain jobs have different levels of decorum and different levels of dress and have dress codes. There's no doubt about it, but the Major League Baseball players should be the ones that have to control themselves there, right? If a woman comes into their place of business, it shouldn't be the PR guy's job to say, hey, lady, get out of here. You're too hot today. The thing that bothered me most about that clip was when Dayon said they were just like, you know. We all know what he was trying to say there. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on the radio, but I ain't afraid. He was going to say sluts. That's what he's going to say. That's exactly what he was going to say. And you can't do that. You can't say that. You can't think that way. I've never thought that way. I really haven't. I've said some things in my life that I probably wish now, or I do wish now, going back on, that I wish I couldn't have said or wouldn't have said. I've matured. I've gotten smarter with who I am. And I now know that you can't disparage people. And not that I ever was that kind of guy in the first place, but... You learn as you get older. Well, I, I've never thought like that. I've never put it on the woman to quote-unquote behave, right? Whenever the reality is, hey, baseball players, it's a working environment. When somebody comes in to talk to you, they're coming in to talk to you as reporters, not pieces of meat. Here's the audio again. Uh, mm -hmm. But they had to make the address code go across the board here, and it was an attempt, really obvious, uh, I remember seeing someone from the Cincinnati Reds, uh, uh, Rob Butcher, their longtime yeah. uh, media relations man, mm -hmm. excellent human being. Uh, he saw a couple of people who were Pittsburgh reporters, female, who went into the mm -hmm. Reds' room looking like, you know, sure. okay? And he just went in there and said, who are you with? What are you doing? And they were like, well, we're here to help out so-and-so cameraman. And he went, out. Right. Because he didn't want to... 
he's got 25 dudes in there and he doesn't want to risk anything sure. happening. And these are the things that happen in the world of media in 2017. Yeah, Dan, why not just ban women altogether, right? <laughs> Come on. Now, just because he sounded like a pig there, and again, I don't pull punches, he sounded like a pig there. Just because of that doesn't mean that the things that happened that were alleged in the Deadspin story are true. But there's a pattern there, yes? At least an alleged pattern. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. This is all new. This is all coming out during the show. These are all things that I'm reading that are popping up in my tw on my Twitter feed as I'm moving through the program. There's one thing that I think I do better than anybody in this town when it comes to the media. I'm honest, and I'm honest to a fault. And I'm not going to ignore something that I am thinking about. I'm not going to not discuss something that is at the top of the mainstream here when it comes to this marketplace. Uh, I'm going to discuss it. I'm going to give my thoughts. And maybe they are disjointed. Maybe I'm still gathering information. But I'm going to tell you how I think and when I think it. That's who I am. That's why we're up 300%. That's why you should listen to my podcast on ESPNPGH.com. And you should call the show at 412-922-2874 and tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Now to baseball. It is hilarious to me that crusty old baseball media and fans rip the steroid users. They're keeping the best players in baseball history out of the Hall of Fame, but they let this happened to baseball. Here comes the bad Batman analogy. You ready for this one? Baseball's media is kind of like any cop in a Batman comic book or television show or movie. They let Batman save the day, but then after the day is saved, they scorn Batman because vigilantism is bad. They let Batman do their jobs, and then after their jobs are complete, guess what? You're a bad guy. F you, Batman. Bruce Wayne, you piece of bleep. You're a bad guy. All these baseball media members, they turned their blind eye to all the steroid use when it was going on because it made their jobs more necessary. And then because they were more necessary, they were more lucrative. So the baseball media saying, nah, you don't belong because we are morally sound and you're not is... Hilarious if it weren't sad. Baseball writers who were alive and writing in the late 1990s as Bonds and Sosa and McGuire were hitting everything that was pitched to them out of the stadiums, those people all turned a blind eye to something that they now consider so terribly immoral. They were the bad Samaritans, right? If it's so immoral, why weren't they blowing the whistle on it back then? If it's so immoral, why weren't they making sure that these things didn't happen back when they were happening then? Well, it's because it helped them. It helped them because baseball was popular again. It made their jobs as baseball writers and broadcasters necessary and because their jobs were necessary, their jobs then became more lucrative because baseball, which could have died 
became America's pastime yet again. Baseball's media has no place, at least the people who were covering it back then, to be the moral police. They turned a blind eye to steroids when Sosa, McGuire, and Bonds were all saving ball. Now, they say, how dare they have done that? Meanwhile, if you want an added little case of hypocrisy, a little dose of hypocrisy, A-Rod is baseball's best ambassador. A-Rod's doing Sunday Night Baseball now. He's going to be ESPN's go-to guy. Pete Rose has worked in the media for years. I think Halls of Fame are largely stupid AF, man. Largely because of the hypocrisy of the media determining who qualifies morally for that honor. Make it about baseball. Make it about sport. Don't make it about who you think's a good dude or not a good dude. Don't make it about who you think cheated and who you don't think cheated. That's a gray area. Talent is talent. Statistics are statistics. Determining whether someone's a good person or not has nothing to do with either of those things. And yeah, I suppose cheating does. But then don't let anybody in who's cheated. And that's the problem here. It's arbitrary morality. I love that phrase. I use it all the time. And it's applicable to so many different sports. In this case, it's, well, this guy did this bad thing. We'll let him in. Ty Cobb murder, racist, terrible dude, white supremacist. Let him in, sure. Steroid users, how dare they? I wonder how many baseball voters have committed crimes. I wonder how many baseball voters have done things that we deem to be unsavory. I wonder, pardon me, how many, as I'm choking here. Dan's trying to kill me. Trying to make sure I don't continue to talk about what's going on there. How many baseball voters have done things that are immoral? How many baseball voters have committed crimes? Petty crimes. How many have shoplifted? How many have run red lights? How many have gotten DUIs? How many have cheated on their spouses? How many have done unsavory things? And yet they're the moral compass. Oh, okay. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. As I mentioned, I'm across the street from PBG Paints Arena at the Terrace on 5th where you can come on by and you can drink some Bud Light, 350 drafts, $4 aluminum pints as the Penguins get set to take on the Minnesota Wild tonight. Vince Comital will discuss the pens and everything that's going on around the Pittsburgh media. Coming up at 5. That's in 5 minutes right here on the Crowley Show.